Welcome, everybody, to the latest edition of the Hitman Chronicles. This is your host, Rob Silver, along with my co-host, Sebastian. Um, today, uh, we will be talking about the November 19th, 1995 Survivor Series main event between Brett Hitman Hart and the World Wrestling Federation champion at the time, Diesel better known as Kevin Nash. And um, Seb, before we start, uh, talk about this time period and um, your fandom and what what were your thoughts going into this match? Did you think Brett was going to get the title back? What did you think? So this would go way back to I was just starting high school at this time when this match takes place. So Diesel had been really for an entire year, kind of mid his champion, mid-level champ. And I, at the time, I was still all about Brett wanting them to get the title back. And I think that probably everybody alive really thought that Diesel was just done as champion at this point. And it wasn't even that he was bad because I'm a fan of Kevin Nash and I liked the Diesel character too, but he just wasn't suited for a year-long title run. And he had some okay matches with Davy Boy Smith. And it just he wasn't setting the world on fire. So uh, here, it, I wasn't 100% sure that Brett was going to win the title back. But it just felt like he really should be the champion at this time. Uh, some behind-the-scenes maneuverings were occurring at the time. And the reason Diesel was given the title was because McMahon was impressed by his 1994. Diesel set the world on fire at the Royal Rumble in 94. His tag team uh, title reign with Shawn Michaels, his intercontinental title reign. He came off as this badass, charismatic charismatic character. But then Vince, for some reason, wanted Diesel to become more like a Bob Backlund. (laughs) You know, like a... Kissing babies and shaking hands. I mean, when he beat Backlund to win the title a couple of days after Survivor Series 94 when Backlund had beaten Bret Hart in that I Quit match, the the one where Owen, that's your son! That's my brother! (laughs) That that, that, that angle, uh, he destroys Bob Backlund in like nine seconds and it was badass at Master Square Garden, but then he went from being this badass, uh, uh, cool-ass character to this, hey, hey, boys and girls, uh, drink your milk, eat your vitamins, uh, say no to drugs, uh, always <laughs> listen to your teachers and your mother. I'm like, he did a complete turnaround from a badass to a, I mean, just a suck-up, and it continued, and it didn't help that he wasn't a great worker. Um, he had some good matches. His Bret Hart match at the Royal Rumble in 95. His WrestleMania match with Shawn Michaels. But I think midway through the rain, Vince knew it wasn't working because he tanked at the box office. He completely tanked at the box office. Yeah, and talking about him going soft, I still remember to this day, and I haven't seen it probably since it aired, there was that one vignette where um, a kid was going for his autograph and the kid hands him like a, whatever it was, a 5 or $10 bill, and then Diesel just says, keep it. And you that knew so that, late. oh, <laughs> it's the worst. And <laughs> if you look now, like how much they charge just for a cameo from one of their wrestlers, it's like that was the WWF struggling because they just needed to find some sort of angle <laughs> Be like, nah, I'm not going to charge for autographs. You're like, you look like the the biggest loser in the world, Diesel. Come on. So during the summer, McMahon realized he needed to make a change, and he thought that Shawn Michaels would be the guy now to lead uh, the WWF as its number one face. So he told Brett, and I have it in the book right here. Uh, once again, I always read excerpts from uh, the Bret Hart. Um, autobiography, my real life in the cartoon world of wrestling. And 
light. Oh, I got Damn, I got to put some light on this. All right, here we go. He goes. Brett says in his book, on August 6th, Vince called to tell me that he wanted me to win the Bella Survivor Series by crashing through a table. I listened to Vince tell me the finish as I've never heard it before. The only thing I could come up with was that he'd, that he'd read what he'd written down in his black book and somehow actually thought it was his idea. All I could do was hope that he'd write down all my ideas from now on. But it was Sean he wanted me to drop the belt to at WrestleMania, not Kevin. Do you have any problems with that? I thought about it, despite how the boys felt about him. Sean was a hard worker and had paid his dues as far as I could see. Of course, I had no problem with it. The timing was perfect. I could go right into my sheriff role, filming all summer long. That's Lonesome Dove, I believe, right? Uh, the, the the series he did uh, in 1996. Yeah, Lonesome and, Dove. And reappeared just in time for SummerSlam 1996. Also during this time, Seb, uh, Pat Patterson was no longer the booker. Bill Watts was hired to be the booker, and Bill Watts did not want to put the title on Shawn Michaels. He wanted Brett to maintain that world title after beating Diesel he, because Bill Watts was a believer in hard-nosed wrestling, and he never saw Shawn Michaels more than a pretty boy. Uh, and he, him and Vince disagreed about that. Eventually, Bill Watts quit right before. It was the day before Shawn Michaels got beat up by these uh, Navy men out in Syracuse, New York. And now he got his ass. That and man, that's sad. You 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 start in trouble with these with these servicemen, and you wind up getting your ass kicked. Well, there you go. Uh, so Sean had to vacate the Intercontinental title, but Vince saw this as wow, I could use this to build up his title reign as he's coming back from this career-ending injury. So this was. The events leading up to November 19th, 1995, Bret Hart versus Diesel for the World Wrestling Federation Championship. And um, Seb, get right into the beginning of the match. Talk about how both men, a great psychology at the beginning, both men take the padding off the turnbuckles. Hello? Hello? Can you hear me? Yeah, take take it from when take it from the beginning of the match when um both men take a turn a padding off a turnbuckle. All right. So this match, um just before we get into that, because it'll play into the match, Mr. Perfect actually makes his big return at this event. And you know what? I totally forgot until I watched it again today. And I've watched this match several times over the 25 plus years that it happened. I totally forgot Mr. Perfect was on the commentary (laughs) team and he was good. Yeah, he was. And he even plays into some part that he has history with both guys. So it it plays into it really nicely as well. Um, So at the start, um, you have both guys going into the corner first uh diesel's running into the corner to take off the turnbuckle padding and uh, they start going on about how it's mind games so brett goes and he does the same thing and uh, so this is a good start to the match also for the crowd as they're doing this you can feel brett's just way more over than diesel at this point uh uh Watching the match when Brett when they play Brett's music, the crowd goes ape shit. And then when they play Diesel's music, it's so so. Yeah, it's it's clear who they want to walk out as champ. And so you see um even with the from the very beginning as they're taking off this padding that everybody is is well most of the people in the building want Brett. Um also early on, JR uh, starts going into Diesel having the heighted and weight advantage. Uh, so it goes on about uh, Diesel having 87 pounds and 11 inches on Brett. 
um, and how Brett's going to have to sort of stick and move and focus. Oh on wait, you know what? Legs. That that all that always bugged me. He wasn't no goddamn seven feet tall. <laughs> Brett is a legit six one, but Diesel is not seven feet tall. All right. Um, what was Kevin Nash? Was about six eight, six nine, maybe, maybe Probably like a six nine. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Okay. So was, the seven foot diesel. Yeah, right. Go ahead, continue. Seven foot yeah. diesel, and he's supposed to, be, and him and Undertaker are looking at each other in, in, in eye to eye. Yeah, right. Go ahead. Yeah. Maybe when he was super shredder, they had him up to like eight <laughs> feet. Um, when he was Oz in WCW. <laughs> <laughs> so, the uh, start of the match is uh, as well. Perfect says. Um, and I think there's a couple times during the event that he gives like a bit of a wink and a nod to Vince being the boss. Uh, he says, "McMahon, it's hard for me just to sit here and watch this um, and never be world champion. And it's true that Perfect was never world champion. He would have been one of the better guys in history. That's you never know what? He could have had that opportunity had he not hurt his back. Remember, uh, he hurt his back in the match. You go back to the archives. uh, SummerSlam 1991, one of the one of the episodes, one of the matches we covered, uh, Bret Hart versus Mr. Perfect. Perfect had to take a sabbatical because he had injured his back very badly, and he was out for 18 months. Uh, had he not gotten injured, remember the WWF around this time because of the steroid controversy began pushing the smaller wrestlers like Bret Hart and Shawn Michaels. Perfect would have been right along them too as probably the top three wrestlers in the organization had he not taken that time off. Absolutely. And he was so incredibly over too. just everybody loved Mr. Perfect, even when he ended up going to WCW and they just absolutely dropped him out to everyone. The guy was still over like the rest of his life. So, yeah, yeah. He definitely would have had a world title run had he not, gotten injured and when he came back that momentum was gone they 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 pushed him as a baby face but you could see the difference between before and after the back injury i think if he would have never had his back in, injured remember he was still young he was 31 years old i believe when he hurt his when he hurt his back he would have had a just the matches he had with brett were great like the one at the king of the ring and he's not the same wrestler as he was before imagine if he was 100% how great those matches with Brett w- w- would have been in. You know, the, the match he had with Shawn Michaels at SummerSlam was horrible considering the reputation of both wrestlers. So, yeah, uh, perfect saying that. In hindsight, you, you, you have to consider he was out all that time, and it really hurt the rest of his career in the WWF. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, now, to start the match, and this match... Even from the get-go, it had a lot more action than I remembered. Oh, um, man. But right away, Diesel just starts pounding on Brett, um, starts hitting him with forearms, uh, gets Brett into the corner and starts laying knees into him. Uh, even Brett at one point tries to escape, and Diesel just grabs him by the throat and starts wailing on him some more. And you feel like if Diesel just had a lot more matches with guys like Brett, he could have been an absolute monster and he ended up having a great career, but still you, you see him in there with Brett and he's just going all out for the match. Um, Perfect also throws in the line here. I've been in the ring with both these men and let me yeah. tell you, it's no day off, which is also funny because him with Brett's probably always a day off for perfect, but yeah. And, and he had, he had to carry diesel to a decent match, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, then Brett, uh, at this point, he takes a powder, um, goes to the outside, and Diesel gives a slow chase. And this is one of the stories of the match is that um, Brett's way quicker. And part of it could be just because Nash in every match is incredibly slow. Hey, he look, plays like the Jason Voorhees here. Like every... it's, a, it's a perfect blending of ring psychology of both men in this, in this match. It's the perfect Davey versus David versus Goliath match where Nash dominates most of this match because of his brute strength and height advantage. And, 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 and um, Brett is doing his best to try to stay away and outmaneuver Kevin Nash, but he just can't overcome that power. 
And so continue. They're outside, and this is is this when he throws them into the ring steps? Yeah. So this um, is where he throws them into the uh, the ring step. Or oh, actually, that was, first that was that was first. Incredible. He actually throws them next first into the barricade. It actually, comes before the yes. ring steps. Yes. And yes. just the way that the old WWF barricades were, that's there's probably not an easy way to take that. That's got to suck. Um, because it's just metal on your throat, and I, and I know they, the breadth of throat, but that thing, if you ever grabbed that that ringside, that shit was hard, man. I mean, yeah. one wrong move, and you 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 could choke on your on you could choke on your tonsils on your tongue. <laughs> <laughs> and so Diesel keeps um, Brett keeps on uh, trying to escape. Diesel gets his boot on Brett's throat, uh, ends up throwing back in the ring. Uh, and getting some offense on him. And uh, Brett starts going for the knee and they slug it out. But then Diesel gets the better of the exchange and knocks Brett outside. And this is where he, Diesel yep. throws Brett to the steel steps. And at this point, it's just a beatdown. You see that Brett is just getting destroyed and he's not doing a whole lot of fighting back. And there's some hints on the commentary that. Um, you know, Brett's just got to weather the early storm. Well, what and... does what what does Perfect say? Perfect say, uh, Brett has the advantage by uh, trying to. Uh... He said something. I forgot his exact words. And then Vince was like, "I'm not sure about that." Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And even um, he keeps on saying things like Diesel doesn't want to make a mistake against Brett, so he's got to be methodical in this beatdown. And, and keep that in mind, ladies and gentlemen. I yeah. mean, they're, they're, they're setting the table for the finish. Yeah. So with Brett down um, from the steps, Diesel goes, he throws the timekeeper down, and he gets the steel chair. Really weird if you look back now because attitude era was all about the hard steel chairs and unprotected shots to the head this was a padded seat and it's all about the shots to the back but so he, was... he slammed the hell out of brett's oh, back with that chair. <laughs> he just crushed him with that chair and it, i i can't stand knowing what we know now if you look back at all the unprotected chair shots to the head so i'd rather man, them do this any day than... man uh the worst was the rock versus mick foley at the royal oh, rumble yeah that was the ninety nine. That was the worst. Um, I still don't know how Mick Foley is so damn lucid today, because that match alone right there uh, should have gave him CTE for life. <laughs> Absolutely, and even um, beyond the mat, he was like he couldn't remember the match after, and it's just like there's yeah. no way, there's no way he could have <laughs> remembered that match. I mean, what was it? Eight consecutive shots today, eight or something, twelve? Something yeah. dirty, yeah. Oh, man, in front of his kids. Yeah, and then Dewey's crying, and yeah. um, uh, I can't remember. Oh, Noel. Yeah. Noel, yeah. She is uh, quite the fun person to look at. Um, look, I uh, <laughs> you can say that. I when I look at 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 young like I recently did a podcast about Aaliyah, and uh, my co-host asked me, "Oh, you didn't think she was pretty?" When I was a grown man, Aaliyah was a little girl. Aaliyah, Aaliyah was fourteen when she came into the business. I was twenty-five. I looked at her as a cute little teenage girl, never anything sexual. And <laughs> and when she when she and when she died at 22, I still looked at her that way. I was like looking at one of my nieces g- growing up. I don't look at a woman when I've seen them as a child. It 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 uh what you call it clouds my judgment. I always see them as a little girl. Uh, I'm not R. Kelly. Anyway, continue. <laughs> <laughs> uh. So I, that, that's another reason why I can't, uh, when I see Noel, every time I see Noel, whatever she does with her father, oh, that's that's the little girl that was at ringside crying with, with Dewey and their mother while uh, The Rock was hitting one home run after another off the top of his skull. Oh, yeah, I think I would see it the same way if I... Like, but you're not going to see it the same way because no. you're around the same age, I believe. So, I mean, yeah. you might, you you were, you were, you were a teenager when she was maybe 9, 10, you were 14, 15. So it's it's a different story. It's different if you're in the age range. Like my co-host on the Aaliyah podcast, Aaliyah's actually, would have been, would actually be older than him. So I had no problem with that. But with me, I just, it's a thing that, I, I, because I come from a, 
community. I grew up in a community where pedophilia ran wild, and I just couldn't stand it. When I went to high school, you'd have all these old guys waiting outside in their cars for my classmates. I'm like, what the fuck is this? Anyway, I got off the subject. Oh, back, back to the match. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, the uh, the chair shot to the back though that was a callback because uh, Brett used a chair on Diesel. Yeah, and and McMahon brought it up during the telecast. Yeah, yeah, um, and Diesel throws Brett hard into the turnbuckle back in the ring and hits a nice short arm clothesline. Um, just showing all sorts of offense here too, which is something that if his title run, I know I've said this before, but if it had looked more like this match, then business wouldn't have gone down with Diesel the champion. What McMahon should have done is instead of putting him in with monsters like, oh my God, uh, Mabel. Mabel. <laughs> that was horrible. And and Sid, they had he had a few with Sid and Mabel. Those, those aren't going to be good matches. They're going to be horrible matches. He should have had you saw you saw the way this match was laid out. He should have had Diesel go over strongly on Brett at Royal Rumble, and then he did go strongly over Shawn Michaels, but he shouldn't have went strong over him right away. They could have had a series of matches leading to a SummerSlam main event of them doing a ladder match instead of the rematch with uh. Razor and, and Sean. They they booked him totally wrong. They had all these athletic little guys that they could have used. Davy Boy Smith, uh uh one, two, three kid, uh Shawn Michaels, Bret Hart, that would have made Diesel look great. You could have had a feud with him at Bigelow. If you wanted a big man monster feud instead of burying Bigelow after they turned him babyface, they booked uh Vincent Pat Patterson booked him. Totally wrong. Uh, he's not the type. He should have been a badass, a precursor to Stone Cold instead of kissing the babies and going out there and and fighting these these monsters and trying to. Oh, it was just horrible. Yeah, and even um, I was shocked because on the undercard for this show, Bigelow is still there. And I thought at this point he would have already been this, gone. I think this was, was his last. I think this was either his last. No, was he against Goldust in that match? Yeah, against Goldust. That was his last match in the WWF for, for the for his career. Uh, after that, he would show up in ECW, and then a couple years later, he'd finally show up in WCW, uh, fall of '98, where he feuded with. Now they feud him with Kevin Nash when they could have feuded with him with him and Kevin Nash in '95. All right. Yeah, when it would have meant something. Yeah, it would have meant something. Um, and so Diesel at this point goes for the jackknife. Uh, Brett grabs his leg and he holds on. And then they end up uh, entangled in the ropes. And it's hard to tell exactly how it happened, but it it's either a really great accident or like a brilliant planned spot because they just kind of go back and forth. But Brett gets away from the jackknife and nobody kicks out of the jackknife. It was a very protected finisher at this point. What he what he was doing was he was uh putting his feet up against the ropes. He was fighting it to to the fullest. That was a great spot right there. Yeah, it was so well well obviously it's Brett so it's well executed, but still is just a really great spot. And um then from here Brett starts getting dirty and we've talked about this a lot but Brett's got some great heel moves when he really wants to throw on some dirty tactics. He starts biting Diesel's arm, and then he starts biting Diesel in the head. Um, he goes for what McMahon calls a sleeper, but it's really just like he's raking his eyes and he's raking his whole face. And so they're really playing up the uh, just how these two really want to get that win and want to win the title. And these two have already had a very indecisive feud up to this point. So it's all about the one-upsmanship and really trying to prove that they can beat the other guy. So really, really good storytelling here. Um, also, I thought it was fun that Brett gets Diesel down and JR throws out the vintage Bret Hart 
And so you're studying some Michael Cole tapes back in 1995. So that was good. <laughs> um, Brett starts really, really working on Diesel's legs at this point, too. He gets his leg uh, up, tangled into the ropes, comes down hard. Um, and that gets the devastating maneuver award from Vince. Hey, this and, is the this is the ring psychology that Brett is a master was a master at, uh, one of the two or three greatest ring psychologists in the history of wrestling, right up there with Terry Funk and Ric Flair. He's yeah. working the leg, and it's going to work into the match. It's it's going to be a constant theme, especially when he eventually ties his leg. Go ahead. Yeah, and it's a good thing that you mentioned Flair because this will probably get some people angry, but Brett throws on the figure fair figure four to diesel and it was nicer than flares i gotta say and it's part it's part of the ring psychology because he's work he is much he's the smaller guy the much smaller guy he's fighting a giant so in order for him to prevail he's got to break down the wheels his legs and so he's working on that's part of the ring psychology because you know Today in, in pro wrestling, you got a little guy fight a big dude, and the little guy wins without doing any of this shit. It's just, and 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 the little guy is getting power slammed through tables and thrown over oh, into the crowd, and he winds up winning. Get the fuck out of here! All right, <laughs> all right, and this is probably like a good point just to bring up this side note, but we didn't talk about this. Did you see Punk versus Wardlow from? That's Diamond? a perfect. Well, that's a perfect example. I think I watched that match. And they overdid it. They overdid it with the with 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 Wallow destroying CM Punk and then Punk coming out of nowhere to win the match. They really overdid it with the destruction. You, the, 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 the difference between that match and this match. This match, everything looks realistic. That match, there's no way the world Wallow should have lost that fucking match, man. And I love CM Punk, but come on. Come they yeah. they could have booked that man. And I'm disappointed in CM Punk because he should have known better. It would they they go overboard today. That's why I can't stomach some of this shit sometimes, man. And yeah. Punk and Danielson do it the best, but yeah, they they went overboard on that shit. That shit was that shit was wild, man. Come on, how the hell it, this guy's a hundred and something pounds heavier than you, and it, it, and you're getting thrown through tables and all, and then you wind up winning. I I saw so many people compare that match to this one. You can't because he's like, not. He's not working on. He's not the. He he he's not breaking down one of Warlord's wheels. It's a different. It's a different thing. He he won. He won. He he won by fucking falling on a banana peel. While in this match, the working on the the leg eventually leads to him winning the match. Because if he doesn't do that, there's no way in the world he could have beat Brett uh uh Kevin Nash. Ring psychology. I was disappointed in that match, and I'm like, damn. That was, in my opinion, the first slip-up by CM Punk. And, you know, he he can afford one, man. The man is damn near flawless, so he can afford one. But you can't compare that match to this match. That's the, There's no – you can't compare it. No. Hell fucking no. Continue. <laughs> yeah, I, I think the um, – just to put a button on it, the other thing is that – this match all leads up to one jackknife at the end. Right. For that one, he's powerbombed eight times. Yeah, that's it. It's like it, it's over. Today's wrestling is overkill. You're looking at this like, what the what what the fuck am I watching? Well, with the, all these near falls, blah blah blah, people kicking out of the other guy's finisher. Man, fuck that. Go ahead, continue. All right. So, Brett has Diesel in the figure four. Um, Diesel's selling it really well. Uh, and Diesel doesn't always sell for. And by the way, so. Vince does a great job. Oh, when he put this move on at the Royal Rumble, he was near the ropes. He's in the middle of the ring now. <laughs> yeah. Vince is, I got to say, sometimes when you listen to Vince, it's just like, this guy got too too much hate for what he was doing because he had some really good commentary and he knew what he wanted to sell. But so it also, it. also, Seb, it happens, it has to do with who he's with. When he was with Jesse, Jesse always kept him on his toes, so he had to be good. When he was with Bobby, Bobby kept him on his toes, so he had to be good. When Right here, he's with Jim Ross and Mr. Perfect. They kept him on his toes. But when he's with a horrible color commentator, uh, you put the, put the mute button on. But 
And also, if it's a match that he's invested in, that his company is banking on, and he's totally invested in this match because the future of his company is 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 is, is being determined by this feud and then the Shawn Michaels uh, WrestleMania match with the winner. Very true. Vince is all about that money. Um, so next in the match, so Diesel gets the ropes finally. He works his way all the way through. Um, and it's always a cool visual because you've got the really tall guy reaching for the ropes. And as soon as he gets them, Brett goes right back to his legs. He's stretching them. He's dropping elbows. He's dropping knees on Diesel's legs. You know, this is, by the way, I forgot to mention at the beginning, this is a no DQ match. I forgot to mention that. That's why the chair and all this, the turnbuckles, uh, the padding taking off the turnbuckle later on when he ties his leg, it's all allowed. Yeah, no DQ, Brett, no Brett, can. Brett, Brett could have kept that figure four on. The referee can't disqualify him. No, it's true. I mean, the referee finally makes him break, but if I was Brett, I mean, it, we got to the same result. But I'd have kept that shit on. And Diesel screaming and then... then you could have other referees come in and finally break it up and then leave, and then the match continues and Brett stomps on the leg. But that being said, the ring psychology is there. You see he's working on the leg. This is his only chance to win against a much bigger dude is to bring him down to his size. Yeah. And, um, and also just uh, so everybody knows, there's the big blizzard here today, so I've got a couple of kids uh, in the next room, looking for attention. Seb's um, out in Toronto <laughs> under two feet of snow right now, and his kids stayed home from school today, and you heard them in the background. You know, they, they love their daddy. Go ahead, continue. We're, we're all snowed in here. Um, so Brett goes for the sharpshooter here, and he gets thumbed in the eye. <laughs> Sorry, give me one sec, Rob. Go ahead, do, do what you gotta do. I'll keep talking while you deal with the with, with, with the children. Yeah, uh, Seb's gonna go uh uh try to calm his uh beautiful two young daughters down. In in um this match, like I mentioned earlier, the ring psychology shown by Bret Hart is off the charts. This is the perfect match between a David and Goliath type uh between David and Goliath type wrestlers. Bret Hart Six foot one. Diesel really six nine, not seven feet like they used to claim. Still eight inches. Huge difference. And so it wouldn't make sense for Brett to battle Kevin Nash Diesel on an even term. He has to show weakness because he's the much smaller guy. And he's got to figure out how to beat the much bigger and stronger Kevin Nash Diesel. He does this by working on the legs. Seb talked about he put him in the figure four. And then later on in the match, after the referee forces him to break because uh, Diesel got, got to the ropes, he eventually ties Kevin Nash's leg. And from there, uh, he begins working more on the leg. This is just tremendous ring psychology and a great story being told by the best there is, the best there was the best there ever will be. Uh, Seb, are you back yet? I hopefully am, yes. All right, now uh, go to the part where he ties it. Take it from when his legs get tied. When his leg gets tied. Okay, so Brett uh, grabs the microphone cable from the side and he takes quite a while to uh, tie up Diesel's leg and gets him in the corner Um at this point, uh, Vince, or sorry, uh, Brett gets Diesel down, um, and then Diesel hits him with a sort of guillotine uh, leg drop type thing from a seated position. Um, then Diesel tries to get up, but he's caught in the cable. And so Brett goes to the second rope and he hits him with an elbow smash. Yeah. Is yes. different from like any of his other elbow smashes because Diesel was in a standing position. So it looked yeah. fantastic here. Um, and then Brett goes outside here and he goes and he gets a chair. And Diesel knocks him down with a boot at first. But then Brett comes back and he hits the steel chair to Diesel's back. And then he starts smashing his legs repeatedly with the chair. Um, 
then is is Brett. this is this what he puts the figure four leg lock outside the ring on the on the on the post? Uh, he pulls them to. Oh, does he hit the figure four on the outside at this point? Because but if he did, he then does, I totally missed a couple seconds this of is the match. This is the first time that he ever used that move, and it would become a, it would become part of his handbook for the rest of his career. I love that he'd use it against Stone Cold all the time. All right, continue. All right, um, and yeah, the Stone Cold match—that's going to be a good one. Um, Brett with the side backbreaker at this point. Um, to Diesel, and then Brett goes to the top rope with the chair. Diesel gets up and he knocks Brett down, and Brett gets crotched on the top rope. Um, and here, Brett steals a little bit from Ric Flair, and he gets beeled off the top rope like yeah. Flair used to do every match. And, it, and it's great because of Kevin Nash's height. It make I oh, mean, yeah. and and Brett just goes flying. Brett took some hellified bumps in this. During the match and after the match. <laughs> oh, yeah. Brett was just a machine here. He just wanted to show everybody that he was still best in the world. Um, I also like that um, JR had the line that Brett must have been a Boy Scout up there in Calgary because uh, Diesel has a tough time getting the uh, cable off of his boot. And <laughs> yeah. So... The uh, one of the greatest cowboys of all time in wrestling history, Bret Hart. Um, so then Brett runs uh, in and Diesel chokes him with a mic cable. This was really weird because it's pretty clear that he's got the cable and he's choking Brett out. But Vince is like, what's going on? Yeah, and I know. So what's, come on, Vince. This is a no-DQ so no no match. You could, you could tell the truth. Come on. Yeah, it was really weird, and it's uh, it, it's one of the really rare misses from Vince. Like, he didn't see the cable or something, and it's like, it's a thick black cable, Vince. Come on. Um, and then Diesel hits a sidewalk slam for a good near fall at this point. Um, then Brett takes his amazing chest-first bump into the exposed turnbuckle. Yep. yep. Um, they're both down, but Diesel gets up first and he's limping. Um, so Diesel sets Brett up um, into the ropes and he's slowly work, working his way um, to Brett, but then Brett jumps on his back and Diesel slowly picks him up and he gives him the slowest snake eyes ever. But this was to the covered turnbuckle and it was really great selling from Nash here. I know that in a lot of his career, he's not the best seller in the world, right, right, um, but right. him selling his leg is probably not the hardest thing for him to do because he's got bad wheels. But when he gives them the slow motion snake eyes, it just worked perfectly for the match because they're both beaten down. But Diesel still has that big height he's, power advantage. He's, he sells that leg injury throughout this match the best he ever did in his career. Yeah, this is definitely his best match of his career. Oh, this is the best match of his career bar none. Yeah. Now, after Diesel decides to go for um, a second Snake Eyes, this time to the exposed turnbuckle, but Brett reverses it and he smashes Diesel's head uh, into the exposed steel. And if this was the blood error, this would have probably been the time for like a big blade job. You, they, from- you know what? Four weeks later, we'll be talking about a a uh, four weeks from this match. There was an incredible blade job. We'll be talking about on the next yes. episode of the Hitman Chronicles his match with Davey Boy Smith. Yeah. All right, continue. Um, so Brett starts um, landing blows, hits a clothesline, and Brett gets the two count. Um, Brett's up and he goes for a bulldog and he gets a two and then brett hits a russian leg sweep and he does this sweet float over for another two yes i love i mean it's so flawless (laughs) when he does that i mean perfect i mean it's just i mean picture perfect absolutely and he's just and this is the point of the match too where it's like brett still has a fighting chance here and he's still got some offense so even though and and by the way great job by kevin nash diesel He's not gassed. This match is over 20 minutes now, and he hasn't gassed. He's, he's, he's able to keep up with Brett. 
yeah, he's been there step by step. And, um, you know, even with the selling and everything, he's fantastic in this match. Anybody who says that he's never been a worker, you know, you could point to a lot of times where maybe that's true. But when he gets in there with Brett, he's got his A game off. He's had two great matches, I believe, in his career. This one and the match with Shawn Michaels where he uh, takes off for Shawn's uh... <laughs> Mad Dog with Sean's leg. Prosthetic, yeah. Oh, it's, yeah. it's prosthetic, yeah. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, that was uh, good friends, better enemies, I think. Yeah, good, yeah. That, yeah. Those are easily his two greatest matches. And yeah. while he was in with two of the all-time greats at Brett Short, he still had to show up, and he gave as good as he got. Yeah, definitely. Um, so Brett hits a clothesline that knocks uh, Diesel over the top, and Brett attempts a plancha, and I don't misses. know how he didn't get a concussion or, or a broken <laughs> bone with that plancha because he splatted on the on the mat. He splatted on the floor. <laughs> and he does like a full twist in it too. It was like <laughs> the landing wasn't going to be good, but he oh, just Jim Ross he's was like he, he attempted a plancha and he completely missed. <laughs> <laughs> it was such a great miss too because he, you know that Diesel. Like the stories that he has it scouted now because Brett's used it a couple of times and he just catches nothing but the blue mat. So you know, until he until he uh uh what was it uh, in the we'll talk about it in when we do the the matches in 1997. But after his WrestleMania match, uh, he had a he had a type of knee injury, and that was the first time in 13 years that he missed. Any matches, he he had a Cal Ripken, Brett Farr like consecutive match uh, streak where he never missed a day for thirteen years, and that's incredible considering the bumps that he take, like the one where he did the plancha and missed. Yeah, and the schedule that they had back then too. It's just oh, they were working three hundred and fifty days a year. Yeah, um, six day, six days a week and twice on Sunday. <laughs> yeah, I remember there's a lot of times there would be like London in the afternoon and Toronto at night. And, like... and, and, and on the East Coast here in the United States, he could be wrestling in Philadelphia in the AM and Boston on the Garden at night. Yeah. And you said London and Toronto in uh, Ontario. Um, I'm, sure, I'm sure they did double shots in Quebec City and Montreal. From time to time, L.A. and San Diego, that they that, that road schedule was murder. Yeah, and uh, I remember um, this is a weird random memory that's got nothing to do with this match, but he had uh, Hulk Hogan had a stretcher match with Earthquake, and I think the in the afternoon it was in London, and then at night it was in Toronto, and the Toronto Sun had like a weekly report on wrestling, and they just reported that they're like it's weird how he stretchered out. Straight to Maple <laughs> Gardens. Uh, it's funny you say that because whenever they do the shots with Philly and New York on the same day, or Philly and Boston, or Boston and New York on the same day, you'd have the crazy, crazy hardcore fans go to both cards. Y- you're wasting your money. It's the same moves <laughs> and the same results in both shows, people. Yeah. You're just giving away money. No. It's a Stay in your city, watch the match. Don't need to pay Amtrak or Greyhound to go and another uh, another rest another uh wrestling ticket to watch the same shit. Come on. Yeah. Go ahead, man. Um, all right. So um uh after Brett is slow to get up on the outside, um Brett is slowly trying to get back in the ring. And best spot of the match for me is here Diesel pushes him and talk about David and Goliath, the slingshot kind of slingshots Brett backwards into the table. And there's just an audible gasp in the crowd because this is before everybody goes through a table every week. This, this, this was the first time this ever happened at a WWF uh, big event. Uh, It was an incredible spot and kudos. I can't stand the bastard, but kudos to Hugo Savanovich. (laughs) Cause he sold the shit out of that table. He's like he's he's lying down like he's half dead, still announcing. <laughs> Run harder! <laughs> it was 
it's is such a great spot and looking back it's like you see a lot of little things that Brett just did first and you know this is one of those things and also jr actually pulls out he broke him right in half at this moment as well which is you know which will he will infamously or famously say a few years later at the hell in the cell between undertaker and mankind he's been broken in half <laughs> Uh, so this leads to the end of the match and um, Diesel's pounding on Brett on the outside. And at this point, they sort of hint that he's starting to feel bad because Brett is dead on the outside. He just can't get up. He can't move. He's taken the plancha. He's taken this table bump and he is just struggling to even move. And so they're like, is Diesel starting to feel feel bad sympathy. and perfect? No, is he trying? Yeah. Is he beginning to feel sympathy for Brett? Yeah, and so you look at his face and the way the Nash sells it too. He's just like, oh, you know, what am I doing to this guy? Um, but then he throws Brett back into the ring, and he's going for the jackknife. He lifts up his arm like he does to signal for it picks Brett up. He actually likes to pull him up by his tights. Um, and Brett at this point is just like dead weight. And as soon as Nash puts his arm in the air, Brett just falls flat on his face. Um, Earl Hebner checks on Brett and it's great to see Hebner with another Brett uh, Survivor Series match. And Brett just looks like he's out of it. So Diesel's looking to finish the job. He picks Brett back up and Brett with maybe the greatest small package in history because the David and Goliath thing here, just the visual of it is perfect. Yep. And he gets the one, two, three right in the middle of the ring and he wins the belt back. And it's just crowd goes banana at that point. Absolute pop for the guy. Yeah, but he, he doesn't get to celebrate because you'd have one of the great heel turns in WWF history where Nash is so irate that he made the mistake because he had sympathy for his fellow man and it cost him that he destroys Brett with how many power bombs after the match is over? No, he lands two power bombs after the oh. match, and he's the first one. Brett sells like he's dead, and then he picks him up for a second one after he shoves all the referees down. And Brett is just well the for the second entire one, remainder of the he, show. Second one, he flings him halfway across the <laughs> ring. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, just a crazy bump for Brett to take after a long match like that. But he's. From this point, just from a production standpoint, they throw to the highlights of every match on the card. And when they come back, Brett's still down in the ring. And Vince yeah. is like, yeah. barely moved. And it's the so. beginning of a transitional period where Brett is now a three-time WWF world champion. And he will eventually drop it to Shawn Michaels at the next WrestleMania. WrestleMania 12, but before we uh, get to that, next month on the Hitman Chronicles, we will be discussing December 17th, 1995, In Your House match versus Davy Boy Smith, which I believe was even greater than their SummerSlam 1992 match. This match has it all. Once again, they evolved Brett's sister Diana, and by by I mean I was sick and tired of her by that by by this point in time. I'm like, how many times are they gonna try this? And they say she was a beauty queen. Beauty queen from where? <laughs> there was nothing attractive about her. I never understood this. They used to bring her out. I don't know. I don't know if Vince had a thing for Diana, but they always used to put her in the storyline. No, she wasn't needed. They could have easily played this up as a as Brett trying to get his revenge from losing a SummerSlam 92 or Davy Boy saying, look, you, I beat you. You never beat me. But uh, regardless of the Diana involvement, that match was sensational. And we'll be talking about that match next time. 
as far as Kevin Nash goes, after he loses this, of course, you see the heel turn. He beca- he begins an incredible run as a great heel from this moment until he leaves the Federation in May to go to WCW. The WWF dropped the ball on Kevin Nash. McMahon should have paid him whatever he wanted. He could have they could have let Razor Ramon go. Nash was hot, hotter than ever, and they dropped the ball. Nash would have been incredible in that attitude era with the way he, I mean, it would have been just tremendous, but they let him walk. I mean, they won the war, but that was a huge miscalculation on Vince's part to let Kevin Nash walk away and go to WCW because, in my opinion, at this point in time, from this moment on, until the NWO imploded and WCW imploded, you could make a huge argument that Kevin Nash was the best heel in wrestling during that time period. Yeah, and I also think that if you look at the difference he made for WCW being part of the NWO, like there's no doubt that he was on fire from a business That's another reason. If they would have kept Kevin Nash, that angle would not have been the same. I mean, he, the, that angle worked because Kevin Nash, Razor Ramon, and then Hogan turned it. If it's just Razor Ramon going over there, who's to say that angle even takes place? Yeah, and if really, like, you talk about all the Mabels being the third man type stuff, Mabel That's might have had to be the second man if Nash uh, <laughs> did. Mabel and Kevin, no, Mabel and Razor Ramon. Man, that, the WCW fans would have shitted all over that. That shit, yeah, it it, even dead. Hogan could have so, uh, saved that. <laughs> So once again I want to thank my co-host Seb for joining me as we Talked about one of the great Survivor Series matches of all time Uh, The greatest match In our opinion Of Kevin Nash's uh, story Career Seb We will talk again in, uh, In a couple of weeks Where we talk about the great December 17th In your house matchup between Brett Hitman Hart and his brother-in-law, Davey Boy Smith.